My name is Steve Murphy. I'm the uh, senior minister here at Discover, one of the guys that uh, brings the word each week. And I just want to thank you for being here. It's great to see all of you today in worship together. We're in our second week of our series called Bucket List. And in this series, we are looking at four amazing things that every one of us should experience before we leave this planet. And as part of this, um, I put out a thing on Facebook that said, hey, uh, just tell us some things that are on your bucket list. So uh, here are some things today. Our topic is journey. So uh, we're going to, these are all things that have to do with um, destinations, all right? So these are some people's uh, bucket lists. I feel like the lighting's better here. That's not anyone's fault back there. There we go. All right. Um, This person said, another mission trip to Kenya, the UK, Zimbabwe, and Indonesia. Very cool. Um, See the swimming pigs in Exuma, Bahamas. I have no idea, but uh, sounds kind of fascinating. Trip to Ireland. Cool. Uh, Trip to the Mediterranean. Spend a summer or longer just traveling. Yeah, sign me up for that. Um, Hawaii. Yeah, you can sign me up for that one, too. Um... Visit Hogwarts in London and take a cooking class. Actually, you can cross the other two off and sign me up for that one more than the others. That's pretty cool. Hogwarts would be sweet. Um, zip line through the rainforest in Costa Rica. <clears throat> we lived in Costa Rica for a year. Just make sure you go to a very reputable place because we can tell you <clears throat> not every site is OSHA approved. Let's just put it that way. <clears throat> so be careful there in Costa Rica if you zip line. Might be the very last thing you do before you see Jesus. Um, <laughs> Travel to Alaska, would love to do that as well. Uh, Travel to Italy, cool. Um, See the Grand Canyon, me too, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, Go to Bora Bora, Fiji, and all over the Philippines. Wow, that sounds cool. Um, Travel to Hawaii, Australia, and New Zealand, where the Lord of the Rings was filmed. Mm, That would be cool. Go to Haiti. Hey, you can do this with our church. We do that pretty frequently. Uh, Travel to Ireland, Alaska, and Sub-Saharan Africa. Some really cool things there. Um, Pull a, uh, a, a cap out of a bucket list is on my bucket list because my wife told me it needed to be on my bucket list. She is in charge of crafts, and she said to remind all of you, you need to bring your crafts. So put this on your bucket list, This not your crafts, your lids. So put this on your bucket list this week. Bring your caps, okay? I know some of you have been saving them. You haven't brought them in yet. Bring them in next week. We need them for VBS. So kids are going to make a really cool craft with that. Put those on your bucket list for the week. All right. So, bucket list. Today's bucket list is journey, all right? We're going to talk about our journey. What does that look like? Uh, As we know, a journey is not a single event, right? A journey is a series of experiences. It's a series of of things that go on throughout our lives. It's typically like a, a really long, winding trail. You know, there are, there are some steep climbs, and there are some, uh, some things you got to avoid, some cliffs you might fall off on. Um, there, are, there are some paths that are just level and feel good, and those are kind of your everyday things. Um, there are some breathtaking views. There are a lot of different things. But a journey is about going from point A to point B. And uh, <clears throat> I don't know if any of you like racing, um, I like open-wheel racing. Some of you guys like NASCAR and some other kinds of racing. Um, there, are, there are times when uh, a, a racer will be running, and before they get to the finish line, they'll inadvertently stop. I mean, they thought they were done. Um, some of them have pulled into the pits um, at a white flag <laughs> rather than the checkered flag. Um, can you imagine going to a race and, like, the, the person that wins a pole position like, just takes off, and they're ahead of everybody, and, like, three laps into it, they pull in the pits, they take off their helmet, and they sit down, and they're like, wow, that was an amazing start, wasn't it? 
That was so cool. I mean, I've got the best team. Our equipment's incredible. Man, this has been an, a, just a great race. Yay. Yay for us. You know? Can you imagine that? You say, wait a minute. You, you forgot. The purpose is not only to start. It's to continue and to grow and go all the way to the end. Get to the end of the race. See, I think too often we focus on the starting line, about getting people started in their faith journey. And we forget that it's about going the entire distance. And we need to go and grow and finish well. And the, the main text we're going to look at today is in Hebrews chapter 1. And I think we need to switch the lights to the other lighting so we can get that on. Sorry. But um, Hebrews chapter 12 is where we're going to be for our primary text. And we're going to start in verse 1 and uh, read a lot of different things. So here we go. Hebrews 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so hinders our progress. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterward. Now he is seated in the place of highest honor beside God's throne in heaven. So there are some things in here and things we're going to look at at later that are good things for us to have that make our journey better. And here's the first one. The journey is better with encouragement. It, the chapter right before this is sometimes called the, the great chapter of faith and talks about these great heroes of the Bible. And, and they're there now. They're the crowd of witnesses who are cheering you on. But there are people around you who are cheering you on as well. Fellow believers, fellow people who are walking and, and running the same race. Imagine being a runner in a race. And I don't know what's called the discouragement race. I don't know what it's called. But you're out there, and uh, every time someone says something, it's negative. It's like, dude. You stink. You can't even run. What is your problem? Why are you even doing this? I don't even think you're on the right path. I mean, who would want to be in a race like that, right? That's not a cool race. That's not something you want to do. But you know what? That's exactly what Satan wants us to hear. It's exactly what he wants us to hear. And today, uh, at the end of our service, we're going to be cel celebrating our high school graduates. And, and I just want to say to all of us, but especially to high school graduates, Satan wants you to stop. He does not want you to finish your race. He wants you to be discouraged. He wants you to become disinterested in faith. He would love for you to say, nah. It doesn't matter. Don't let that happen. Don't listen to those voices. Listen to the people around you who are willing to go with you and say, you know what? You can do this. Let's run together. Take another step. Find those encouraging voices in God's path for your life. As it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another and build each other up just as you are already doing. And again, to some of you who are going off to college, there are good campus ministries um, and people there who can help you. But, but I, let me just say this to you. You need to get in a local church. A campus ministry is not a church. 
You need to get in a local church because there you're going to find not only people who are peers, but you're going to find people who are more experienced in the race than you are, people who have gone farther along, people who can walk with you, people who have resources and encouragement for you. You really need to be part of a team, part of a church. And, and I would say do it your first week. Do it your first week on campus. See, the journey is better when you have encouragement, and those voices are absolutely vital. The journey is also better with less baggage. At Round Lake a few years ago, I taught a, a class was on this passage, and uh, we divided the class into two groups, and so team A and team B, and uh, it was a simple relay race, so you have to do is run from this point to that point, and then uh, tag the next person, and so it was just one of those simple relays with one caveat. Uh, team A had to pull a big piece of luggage. It was just had a ton of weight in it, and these kids are like eight years old, you know, so the, the team, I said, ready, go, and so team A is struggling, and they're doing their very best, and team B is just like, whoop, 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 Right? And so then Team B finishes way before Team A, and they're like, we're awesome, we're the best. And so I said, that's awesome. Let's do that one more time. Uh, this time Team B is going to pull the luggage. And they're like, oh, well, we're still going to win. We're still faster than Team A. And uh, <coughs> they're naive. It's awesome. So uh, they, they ran again, and Team A crushed them. wasn't even close. Well, the point is obvious. It's so hard to run when we're weighted down, when we have baggage. Sometimes we simply need to do what it says here in Hebrews. Get rid of the stuff that's weighing you down and the stuff that trips you up. And then you're finished well. Check out this video. Let's watch it again in slow motion. Check this out. Oh, ouch. That's going to hurt. I love how they cross the finish line, though. Check this out. I'm the winner. Oh, I'm going to slide across. So this guy here on the end, his name is Stephen Bradley, and uh, he won the gold. You may have noticed he was not in first. <laughs> What's interesting about this is um, he did not set any records that day. He was obviously not the fastest skater, but you know what he did? He avoided the stuff that knocked everyone else down, and he just kept going. And he has a gold medal. When he crossed the finish line, he said, I won the gold. That's what he was saying when his hands were up like that. If you're weighted down by sin, by the thing that just keeps pulling you into the abyss, would you say, you know, today, God, I, I want to give that to you? Because here's the good news. Jesus wants you to do that. Listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. 
Jesus can remove the big burden that you're carrying, the weight of sin. Only he can take that. The, the struggles that you have, Jesus can take those. And he's going to give you a bag to carry in return. But that bag is going to bless you and benefit you as you go on your journey. So the journey is better with less baggage. The journey is better with endurance as well. It, it doesn't really matter if you carry zero burdens or, or some burdens. You still have to have endurance to finish the race. You have to persevere. You have to endure. A, a journey of 10 feet, a journey of 10 miles, they all are completed the same way, one step at a time. I know that sounds just like so trite and cliche, but it's really true. Think of the next step. Just keep enduring. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 11. The one who endures to the end will be saved. So keep going. Keep moving. Persevere. The formula for victory is simply this. Keep going in the right direction. I was blessed yesterday to give the uh, opening prayer again at the uh, Special Olympics for Dublin, um, the uh, Shamrock Games. And it was also a blessing to spend some time with some families here in our church who had people who were participating in the games. One of the events yesterday was the 800-meter uh, race. So you go around the track twice. And what was interesting is the guy who won, who, who came in first, he finished his two laps before one of the guys had even completed one lap. But what was really neat is at the end, the guy who, was in, who finished first, he stood there and he clapped for everybody. He cheered for as everybody came across. And, and so did the crowd. The crowd was just as enthusiastic for the guy who finished his laps much more slowly as he was for the guy who finished the quickest. And that's what the church should be like. We should just encourage each other. So keep going. Remember, there's a prize at the end of the journey. And, and the one who's cheering you on the most is Jesus. He's cheering for you. So keep your ears open. Listen for his voice. And keep your eyes open and keep them focused on Jesus. That's another one of the things that we see here. The journey is better when our eyes are on Jesus. Um, this week I was reading a story about people who have died climbing Mount Everest. And, and I started reading about it because I thought, you know, after that rope thing last week, I'm pretty much ready for Everest, I think. So, um, but I'm not doing that. I'm really not. But if I was going to climb Mount Everest, I will tell you this. I would look for the most qualified person to be my guide, wouldn't you? I mean, you're, you're going to find the Sherpa who has gone up many times and come back many times and, and come back with all the people he was supposed to come back with. You're going to find that guy. You're not going to find the guy who sits in the coffee shop at the base of the hill and says, you know, I have read a lot of really good books about climbing this mountain. And I have some great philosophies about what it means to go up there. I've never done it, but let me just tell you what it looks like. What you want is to find the person who has the most experience. So keep your eyes on Jesus. He is the one, the only one who completed the race perfectly. Why would you look to anybody else? The Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippian church, I press on to the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Jesus stands at the end. Keep your eyes on him. When you need hope, look to Jesus. When you need truth, look to Jesus. When you're distracted by the things around you, look to Jesus. When you're not sure what your next step is, look to Jesus. When you feel like you can't go on, 
look to Jesus. Keep your eyes on him, on the finish line. Press on. And remember, you're not alone. And, and this is something that is hard for us to hear, but here's the reality. Believe it or not, some of the hardest times are some of the most important times for us. Look at what it says here in, in verse 3 and then 7 through 9. Think about all Jesus endured when sinful people did such terrible things to him so that you don't have to become weary and give up. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who was never, who was never disciplined? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and you are not really his children after all. Since we respect our earthly fathers who disciplined us, should we not all the more cheerfully submit to the discipline of our heavenly father and live forever? forever? It's so easy for us to get discouraged, but don't let that happen. Don't give up. Don't become weary. Don't lose heart. Because the journey is much better with perspective. Our journey is going to have times of great joy and, and blessing and peace, but when it gets tough, keep things in perspective. In the Gospel of John, not, not long before Jesus uh, was leaving his closest friends, he said these things to them. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. And part of Jesus going away was for him to be crucified, to be nailed to a Roman cross, an excruciating death. And, and in addition, he took all of our sin upon him, and, and God the Father was separated from God the Son. The only time in history God was separated from God. But it says that he looked beyond that to the joy that was coming. In fact, he scorned it. He disregarded it because he knew something much greater was coming. As hard as it is for us, and as painful and maybe even as shameful as things can be for us, look beyond them, keep your perspective, and focus on the joy, the real joy that is coming. Hard times, though they are challenging, are sometimes the very thing we need the most to develop our spiritual muscles and our dependence on God. Verse 10, let's continue. For our heavenly Father disciplined us for a few years. For our, sorry, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always right and good for us because it means we will share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It is painful. Duh, right? <laughs> but afterward, there will be a quiet harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So, take a new grip with your tired hands and stand firm on your shaky legs. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Then those who follow you, though they are weak and lame, will not stumble and fall but will become strong. At times, the journey is hard, and at times, we even face God's discipline, but that's for our good. Hey, man, that's no fun. We don't really hear sermons about that very much, do we? God's discipline, we're going to celebrate it, you know? We don't do that very much, but every parent who loves their child is going to discipline their child, as it says. I had a friend uh, growing up who had very few rules, and I mean very few rules. He could do pretty much anything. And there were times I was really jealous of him. And as I got older, I began to realize how unfortunate his life was compared to mine because my parents loved me enough to discipline me. And they had to do it a lot. 
if you're being disciplined by God, it says that means God cares about you. He loves you, and he is saying you are my child. Sometimes we just have to trust our Father, right? Sometimes we simply have to put trust in God and say God sees things I don't. God knows more than I know. And we have to have trust in our Father. The journey's better when we do that. In Isaiah, God speaks these words. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and uphold you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Sometimes, though it's hard, the the best place you can be is right in the middle of God's will, right in his hand. When we were heading to Venezuela, um, there had just been a coup two weeks before uh, in the country, and President Chavez was ousted. And then three days later, he was placed back into power by the, gov- or by the military. And uh, it was a pretty raucous thing. I mean, there were riots and there were uh, demonstrations and all kinds of uh, strikes and things were going on. And people asked us, they said, are you, are you still going to Venezuela? And we said, yeah, we are. Well, are you taking your kids with you? <laughs> yeah, yep, taking the kids. Are you crazy? <laughs> no. And here's why. It had nothing to do with us. It simply had to do with God saying, here's where I want you to go. And the safest place you can ever be is right in the middle of where God is calling you to be. I'm not talking about earthly safety. No one's promised that. I am talking about being secure in what God wants you to do, who he wants you to be, where he wants you to go because he's called you to it. Trust in our Father. The journey is also better with renewed commitment because when you have that trust in God, then you can get back up. You can say, okay, we're going for this. Listen to verse 13 again. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. It's important to to be able to see that path. And when we can see it, we stumble a lot less, right? You've walked in the dark in the woods without a flashlight. It's pretty tough. But with a light, it makes that journey a lot easier. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. The Bible can light the way for us so we don't stumble as we walk. It reveals the truth and the entangling roots of false teaching and philosophies. So be sure to allow God's word to make your path clear. We all need it along the way, and we'll fall a lot less when we do that. But the Bible also says this, and this is one of the things I love about the Bible. It's just so honest. Proverbs 24, 16. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. The Bible says right here that the godly, the people who are following God, are still going to fall. Mark it down. If you're walking on a trail in the woods and uh, you, you see somebody fall, you know, what's your response? You idiot? Did you see that root? I'm so disappointed in you. What's your problem? 
really unfortunate that sometimes that's what we do as Christians. When, when a fellow Christian stumbles on the journey, our first response is to point an accusing finger, to say a harsh word, to post it, to tell them that we're so disappointed in them, we, we can't believe what they did. If that's your first response, can I just be really honest with you and ask you to stop it? I mean, seriously, just stop it. Stop being so immature. What is wrong with you? I'm not trying to make an excuse. We should, we should be able to not stumble, but the Bible says we will. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God. So when somebody falls in their Christian walk, do the same thing you would do if they're walking on the path and reach out to them and say, hey, can I help you up? Give them an encouraging word. Help them with the injury. Help them to see so they don't stumble the next time. And be willing to have that for your own life. Let's encourage each other and build each other up as we're supposed to do. See, godly people get back up and godly people help other people get back up. Do what verse 12 says then. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Just get up and keep going. And look for the thing that tripped you. Get rid of it. Keep going. There's a guy named Peter who is one of Jesus' closest friends. And uh, his life, I think, gives us some really good insight. He had some serious highs and lows on his life's journey. One time, Peter was walking on water, and he took his eyes off Jesus, got distracted by the stuff around him, and he began to sink. Another time, uh, Peter was strongly rebuked by Jesus for something that he said. Something he said really offended Jesus. And then, another time, something that he did really offended Jesus when he cut off the ear of, of Malchus, the servant, uh, of the Roman soldier. And Jesus said, no, what is wrong with you? And later that same night, even though Peter said, Lord, I will never deny you. I, I would die before I would deny you. Guess what he did? He denied Jesus and even cursed about it. I mean, Peter had some serious lows in his life, right? But Peter also had some incredible high points. When Jesus called him, he immediately left everything and followed Jesus. He was part of the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, Jesus' closest friends. And did you catch the thing about him walking on water? The dude walked on water. I mean, literally, he got out of the boat, had faith in God, and he walked on water. He was the very first person to confess that Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Son of God. And after he had denied Jesus, Jesus took time to personally restore him, just like he would do with each of us. Peter was the first one to preach a sermon about Jesus, and 3,000 people came to faith and were baptized that very day. Not long after that, Peter was challenged to stop teaching about Jesus. And he said, look, if I have to choose between obeying God and obeying people, I'm going to obey God. And that's what he did. Not just words, actions. And then all the people 
originally who followed Jesus were Jewish people, and Peter had the opportunity to go and tell the people who weren't Jewish, which is like probably all of us, who Jesus is. He also wrote the letters of First and Second Peter with words like this that I think are helpful for our journey. I am warning you ahead of time, dear friends. Be on guard so that you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. So Peter obviously had some pretty amazing high points on his journey as well. He grew from an impulsive man to an impressive man of God because he said yes to God. That's what it really came down to. He just kept saying yes. Paul was the same way, some lows, and he had some highs. And listen to what Paul said at the end of his life. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. How great that that would be the wording that we have at the end of our journey. Peter, Paul, Mary, Noah, Abraham, Moses, a lot of other people said yes to God. That's the best thing we can do on our journey. Your best life journey is a series of yes responses to God. God is interested in doing incredible things in you and through you. He is. You. And we're going to talk about next week, what does it look like for each of us, our own unique purpose for this journey that God has for us? What powerful words we sang earlier in worship. God is with us. God is on our side. He will make a way. Far above all we know, far above all we hope, He has done great things. God is with us. He will go before. He will never leave us. God is for us. He has open arms. He will never fail us. What's the next step in your journey? Is it to confess that Jesus, like Peter did, is the Lord, the Savior? You want him to save you from an eternity without God? Is it to be baptized? You've made the confession, but you've never done that. And the Bible clearly says it's part of our journey with God. Is it to say, God, I need to surrender my finances to you? I've been doing it about me. Is it joining this church? Is it saying yes to the VBS thing? Is it, is it being involved in a life group? What's your next step? I don't know what your situation is. You don't know mine. I don't know exactly what God is asking you to do, but I do know this. The best response you can have is yes. So as we sing, or at any other time, if you want to talk about surrendering and saying yes to Jesus, or what it looks like to walk with Him on a journey, just want somebody to pray with you, you can do that again as we sing, or you can do that any other time. Jesus is calling you to the next step of your journey. And he's cheering you on. And your best response and my best response is to say yes.
Let's stand and sing together.